Good morning. Once again, we want to acknowledge to our Father and our God in heaven that we are grateful for all of his love, mercy, and blessings. Uh, we often mention that we are thankful for the things that God does, uh, and it's right that we should thank God for all that he does, and indeed we should be thankful but along with what God does, we should thank God for who he is uh, in his person, uh, his nature. God is gracious and merciful. Uh, he is compassionate and kind. Uh, he is giving and forgiving. Uh, in some, God is everything he needs to be to deal with us, all of us, all the time, all at the same time. Uh, the psalmist has declared in Psalm 146, verse 8, The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. And for all that God does and for all that God is, we ought to be eternally grateful. I was glad to see this morning uh, when my wife came in that she had uh, someone with her, uh, two people in particular, and the persons of our good friend from Cambridge, uh, the Eastern Shore, Sister Demika Taylor. Uh, and if you ever hear her, uh, our girls talk to her, they'll probably call her Meek Meek. Uh, so I had to lean over and ask my wife uh, just to be sure I knew her last name because I never call her by her last name. Uh, and also with her, uh, her son, Brandon. Uh, just good to see them this morning. Now, I know because of where we are with the COVID thing, uh, if you were like me, you know a lot more about masks than you did uh, prior to COVID coming in. Uh, I grabbed a mask on the way in just because I think it allows me to be a little more audible. Uh, and in my haste, I grabbed one of the children's masks. <laughs> Uh, as opposed to one of the adults masks. So nobody asked me, do you know you have a kid's mask on? Yes, I do. Uh, as much as I may think I know about masks, when you're in a haste, uh, you just grab what you grab uh, and you have what you have. Uh, but at any rate, we want to direct your attention this morning to John chapter 13, the text that was read into our hearing. We want to read again there verse number 23. John 13, verse 23 in your Bibles. Now there was leaning on Jesus's bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Based on uh, the account here in John chapter 13, uh, we want to use this morning as a subject, that's what friends are for. Now, remember as a sub-theme uh, for the month of August, we are using people Jesus knew. And as we consider the text that we have before us here in John chapter 13, uh, it is recorded concerning one of Jesus's disciples that Jesus loved him. Now, let me say as a matter of clarity, Jesus loved all the disciples. I know this because there in chapter 13 and verse number one, 
It says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Not only did Jesus love his disciples, uh, Jesus loves everyone. Uh, in John 15, verse 13, Jesus said, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And we are told in 1 John 2, verse 2, that Jesus is the propitiation or the atoning sacrifice uh, for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus shed his blood that everyone might be saved. Yet we still have this singular distinction concerning one of his disciples. And five times in John's account of the gospel, uh, this distinction can be found. Now, if we read John's account, uh, then you know in John chapter 21, verses 20 through 25, John identifies himself as the one to whom this designation is applied. And inherent in this designation is the fact that Jesus and John had a special friendship. Uh, you know, you have friends and then you have friends and everybody you call your friend, uh, number one is probably not your friend. Uh, many of us are on Facebook and uh, Sometimes we take delight in saying I have hundreds, if not thousands of friends on Facebook. Uh, to that, I would answer, no, you have hundreds or maybe thousands of people that know your name or know somebody that you know, but all of those folk are not your friend. And if you think that's not so, wait till you get in a crisis and, and see how many of them will respond and come through as a friend does. See, you have friends, but then you have friends. And, uh, you know, when you're talking about friends, I, I don't know which generation you come through, but, you know, everybody that's your friend isn't your ace boon coon. Uh, everybody that's your friend isn't your bosom buddy, your dog, your homeboy, or, or, or your ride or die. See, you, you have friends, and then you have friends. Well, the Bible is saying that Jesus and John had that bosom buddy kind of friendship. And not just they knew each other or, or they worshiped at the same congregation or worked at the same place, but, but John and Jesus had a special friendship. Now, when you look through the Bible, uh, uh, we can find some good friendships. When, when, when you say people that were friends, I think of David and Jonathan. You know, David and Jonathan were good friends. In 1 Samuel 18, verse number one, the Bible declares, and it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Now, if you've ever read your Old Testament, then you know, Jonathan was so much of a friend to David that he risked the wrath of his own father, uh, uh, not just because, you know, his father was wrong, but, but, but because David was such a good friend to him. Uh, you know, there's nothing like a good friend. 
in Pro, uh, Proverbs 17, verse 17, the Bible says, a friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Now, to say that a friend loveth at all times is to say that the love of a friend is constant. If I am your friend, then externals won't change that fact. See, if I'm your friend, I'm your friend on payday or whether you broke. If I am your friend, then trouble doesn't mean that all of a sudden I become scarce. We still communicate like we used to. If I am your friend, it even means that we can disagree. You know, some folk can't disagree. Well, friends can disagree and still be friends. That the fact that we are friends does not mean I have to see things your way. Our friendship means enough that you understand that I have a mind of my own, just like you have a mind of your own, and we don't have to see everything eye to eye, but we can still be friends. If I am your friend, I will not support you when you are wrong, but will not abandon you because you were wrong. See, again, friends understand, well, look, everybody except for Jesus has been wrong about something. And, and you might be wrong now, but it's not like I've never been wrong about anything in my lifetime. See, see, a friend can relate, a friend will be uh, uh, empathetic. A, a friend will say, I I'm not going to let circumstance change our friendship. Now, that Jesus had different relationships speaks to his humanity. We're all different people. Uh, you know, uh, some people subscribe to the theory we ought to be friends with everybody, but, but everybody is different. And because we are all different, our relationships are different. You know, some people are easy to get along with and, and some folk are a little more of a challenge. Now, if nobody has ever told you you're easy to get along with, you might be a little more of a challenge. But whatever you are, you know somebody that you can call a friend. The sin is not having different relationships. The sin is having respect of persons. Now, if we were to look up respect of persons in Ricky Cook's definition of words, I would define respect of persons as arbitrary standards that are unfair and based on personal preferences. Uh, you, you know, when, when you're guilty of respect of persons, two people can do the same thing, but you have different reaction to them doing the same thing. Now, the person I care for, I'm going to excuse what they did, but the person that's a challenge for me to get along with, I, I'm going to condemn what they did. Well, well, right is right and wrong is wrong. And, and when it comes to dealing with each other, the Bible says in James 2 verse 1, my brethren have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory with respect of persons. Now that doesn't mean every relationship has to be the same. Some relationships should be different. Uh, I, I'm gonna treat Sister Cook better than any other female I know, and I should. And I hope Sister Cook would have a problem with me treating any other female like I treat her. Based on my relationship, <laughs> based on my relationship with her, I ought to treat her different. 
uh, if you have children. Now, you might love kids, but you ought to treat your children different. Now, I like children. I'm glad mine are grown, and you know I think children are cute and all of that, but, but I'm going to treat my children different than any other child in, in this world. Some relationships should be different. But when we look here at John chapter 13, again in verse number 23, the Bible says, now there was leaning on Jesus's bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Uh, number one this morning, John was loved by Jesus. Now, mind you, John was not without his faults. Uh, Jesus rebuked James and John for suggesting that a Samaritan village be destroyed by fire because they rejected Jesus. You remember they said, shall we call down fire on them? Uh, and, and Jesus answered, the son of man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. John, don't you think that's a little extreme? You just gonna call down fire on some folk? Uh, did you wake up on the wrong side of the bed this morning? Uh, uh, you remember in Mark 9 verses 38 through 40 that John was corrected by Jesus for being exclusive. Uh, you remember John says, Master, we saw one casting out devils in your name, but we forbade him because he's not part of our company. In other words, he's not one of the 12. What in the world name he got, uh, what in the world business he got doing what you sent us to do? And you remember Jesus had to correct John about that. Uh, in Mark 10, verses 35 through 45, it was James and John who demonstrated selfish ambition by asking for positions of prominence. And then you remember the other 10 got mad with them uh, when they found out what they were doing. Now, I don't know, I wasn't there, but I suspect the other 10 might've been mad because you asked before I could. Uh, you remember Jesus had to correct all of them, but, but James and John asked for positions of prominence. A friend does not love you because you are faultless. A friend loves in spite of the fault. In, in 1 Peter 4, verse number eight in your Bibles, the Bible says, and above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. Now, I, I like the way Peter put this. He didn't just say love one another. He said have fervent charity. I have strong love for one another, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Now, he was not saying when we friends, that means I got to look the other way at the wrong that you do. What he's saying is when we are friends, that I, I will look at you with compassion rather than condemning you. When we are friends that I will try to understand and help or rather than just uh, rebuke and, and look down on you. As I, uh, we have already stated, uh, a friend will not abet you in your wrong. That's not friendship. Did you know when you help somebody be wrong, you're not being a friend to them? Uh, now that might seem easier because uh, you, you, you know, they don't, they don't take exception to you, but abetting a person in wrong is not being a friend to them. Uh, I, I can remember years ago when I worked at the bank, one day a fella called in. He said, Rick, can you sign me in? Now, now you know what they meant? He was going to be late, but he didn't want the bank to know he was late. Well, no, a friend can't do that for you. Now, mind you, I did not sign him in so much out of friendship. I didn't sign him in because I didn't want to lose my job trying to help him not lose his. 
but a friend will not help you be wrong. See, friendship is about helping one another to be better. Friendship is having the other person's best interest at heart and helping me to be wrong is not helping me at all. Uh, yeah, when I'm wrong, you know, if we're friends, uh, then you can tell me, you know, you're wrong. You know, you can tell a friend that. You, you, you can tell a friend, I disagree. See, if I have to go along with everything you say, then we really aren't friends. Now, I, I don't know what the word for that is, but, but it's not friendship. Friendship does not stop us from being who we are as individuals. <clears throat> but consider further there uh, from verse number 23, there was leaning on Jesus's bosom. I, I submit to you further that John leaned on Jesus. Now, he leaned on Jesus quite literally, and, and leaning on Jesus meant that he was close to Jesus in terms of proximity uh, 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 and in their relationship. But, but, but think about leaning on Jesus uh, uh, figuratively or, or spiritually speaking. Now, an old song declares, we all need somebody to lean on. When you think about leaning on somebody, I think about that old poem, uh, Footprints in the Sand. Have you ever read that one uh, where the person, you know, was walking and, uh, you know, it, it disturbed them when they looked behind them. They saw sometimes they saw one set of footprints instead of two. Uh, and, and the person asked God, said, I notice at the hard times in my living, there's only one set of, uh, one set of footprints. And, and God says to the person, well, when you see one set of footprints, that's when I carried you. But, but, but he wanted the person to understand, I was always with you. But, but see, I'm not just your God, I'm also your friend. And I, I, I'll carry you, you can lean on me uh, uh, when you need to. And isn't it good to have Jesus to lean on? See, leaning on somebody uh, uh, implies that they're able to support the weight that I'm going to put on them. Now, now, you can't lean on everybody literally or figuratively. Now, now, if you lean on me, it depends on how much you weigh. God just blessed me with a certain amount of strength. And, and when you cross that threshold, now you might lean and both of us would be on the ground. But, but when you talk about leaning spiritually, uh, in Ephesians 3, verse uh, number 20, the Bible says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Uh, when you talk about leaning on the Lord, his ability to help surpasses my knowledge of my need. In other words, God can handle me leaning on him and then some. I mean, I can lean my full weight on the Lord and there's no problem for him. He, he is able to do so much more than I'm able to even think. You know, sometimes when we want to ask God questions, look, why me? Why at this time? Maybe we need to remember Ephesians 3.20. You know, we could have a conversation with God. I believe God can say, look, when you know what I know, and when you understand what I understand, and when you control a whole universe like I do, then maybe you can ask me a question about why I'm doing what I'm doing. But, but it ought to be sufficient for you to know that, that I'm a just and righteous God, and I always have your best interest at heart. So if I allow something in your living, unpleasant though it may be, you needed this thing at this particular time. And we need Jesus all the time, 
But burdens and troubles move us to be more aware of our need. You know, one thing I, I, I've learned, you know that, that old expression, no man is an island? I, I, I've learned that that's true. Nobody is self-sufficient, but troubles and burdens help have a way of helping me be more cognizant of that fact. And isn't it comforting to know that we can lean on the Lord and he never gets tired of us doing so? You know, the, the Lord is not that friend that you call and sometimes he just let the call ring through to voicemail. I, look, I know I ain't the only one that do that. Y'all do it too. Look, I know I'm not the only one. If a name don't pop up, I let it go through the voicemail and see what the number wanted. And if you don't leave a message, well, then you must not have wanted too much and it probably wait till I see you. Well, God is not that friend. The, the, the Lord is the friend who, who's always there when you need him and, and never change. You never catch the Lord in the mood. You know, some days you just wake up and you're not in a good mood. Look, you be telling people, they better not start no stuff when I get to work because I ain't in the mood for it today. But well, you know, God never wakes up that way. It, God is always the same God that he is. In, in fact, James says in James 1 verse 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He's saying God is always the same. He's always loving. He always has our best interest at heart. He always wants to hear from us. He's always ready to help. You never catch God at a time when he's not the God that he always is. And then looking further there uh, in John 13, in verse number 24, Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him, to John, that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. Peter motioned to John and asked John to ask Jesus whom he was talking about. When I read that, that just reminded me, and I probably the same way as a kid, but it reminded me of my kids. You know, if you have multiple children, sometimes the oldest child will put the youngest child up to asking for something because they think the youngest child might have a chance of getting a favorable response to it. You know, the oldest child to go to the youngest child, ask daddy if we can go to McDonald's. That way, if we can't go, at least daddy going to say something to you. He won't say something to me because you asked him in the first place. Well, Peter motions to John, ask him who he's talking about. So in verse 25, he then lying on Jesus' breath saith unto him, Lord, who is it? John questioned Jesus. And I submit to you that the nature of our conversation can be a commentary on the closeness of our relationship. See, you can't talk to everybody about everything. Uh, you know, God forbid I should go to the doctor and, and the doctor give me some news that I'd rather that uh, they didn't give me. But, you know, I ain't going to call everybody and say, guess what the doctor said. Now, now I, I got friends. I got some folk. I'm going to let them know, uh, man, I, the doctor laid one on me. Now, I might even come and fill out a card and ask the church to pray for me. That don't mean I want to do an interview with everybody about my medical condition. But Peter 
who was close to Jesus himself, looks to John and says, ask him who he's talking about. Why do you suppose Peter did that? I think Peter probably appreciated, you know what, I'm close to Jesus, but, but John is close to Jesus. So maybe John can, because you know, it don't look like this thing is setting well with the Lord. So maybe John can get an answer that I wouldn't get. Now, mind you, when John asked Jesus, he didn't question Jesus in, un, uh, in doubt or unbelief. You know, there are times when we have legitimate questions and thank God that he always has the answers. Well, well, what's a legitimate question? Because, you know, every question we ask God is not a legitimate question. Well, what's a legitimate question? Well, not questioning God's authority or God's providence. You know, sometimes we just ask God for guidance. Uh, you ever been through something and you just ask, Lord, what is it you need? You want me to see in this thing? Say, see, I mean, not, I, I don't understand everything. This thing is beyond me. What is it you want me to see? See, I'm not questioning God's sovereignty. I, I'm not questioning whether or not God is right. I, I'm saying, Lord, I need some help understanding what's going on. That's a legitimate question. What is it I need to see? What is it I need to learn? Do you know God invites us to question him if we ask the right question? You remember Matthew 7, verse 7? Jesus said, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Now, when he says, ask, and it shall be given to you, don't, don't read that and understand that to me, simply material things. You might need an answer about something. Lord, well, what is it I need to see in this? Well, ask, and it shall be given you. But, but don't ask that question that implies that God is wrong. You know, this is not fair. Why me? Well, why not you? Uh, you remember Job wanted to know that, that same thing? Job wanted to know how it was fair that he could be suffering what he was suffering? Well, Job, if you had been privy to that conversation between God and Satan, you wouldn't be asking that question. You remember what God said to Satan? And you know how you can't talk to everybody about everything? It wasn't every name that God could call when he was talking to Satan. Have you beheld my servant, Job? Why single Job out? Because I know what you want to do to Job. But I also know that Job will be faithful to me in spite of what you want to do to him. Now, God couldn't have called every name. But you think if Job had known that, that maybe his question would have been a little different? Well, when we go through life, who knows what it is that we don't know? Now, now I can't question God's right to be God. I can't question why God allows what he allows, but Lord, sometimes I just need you to show me what it is you want me to see. It, it helped me understand what it is I need to do in this thing. Sometimes there are legitimate questions, but appreciate Jesus didn't answer every question that he was asked, or at least not overtly. And sometimes his answer was no. You know, Paul asked three times for the thorn in the flesh to be taken, and the answer was no. Moses asked about going over to the promised land, and not only did God say no, God told him, and don't you ask me no more. You know, when you want your children to understand this conversation is over, no, and that's the last no I'm going to give you. Now, if your children got any wisdom to them, they understand. Now, I might ask you another question, but I need to let that one alone. 
Jesus sometimes answered questions, or, or rather he answered questions, not sometimes, he answered questions uh, based on the question and the motive for the question. You remember Matthew 12, 38, 39, they came to Jesus and said, Master, we will see a sign from thee. We want you to do a miracle. You mean as opposed to all, all the ones that I've already done? Now, we want to see a sign. We, we want to choose the miracle. Why? You didn't believe any of the other ones. You're not going to believe if I do what you ask. Why do you want to see a sign? See, because we really don't believe you are who you say you are, and we want to prove that you are, you're not who you say you are. You remember what Jesus told them? There shall no sign be given you except the sign of Jonah the prophet. What Jesus was saying, just like Jonah was, was uh, three days in the belly of the great fish, in three days after you all put me to death, I'm going to be raised to life again. And what did they do about that? You ever read the end of Matthew's account? Matthew said they paid the Roman soldiers to lie and say that his disciples came and stole the body away. And it's the same folk. Master, we would see a sign from you. For what? That's only going to make you guilty of more unbelief. He, he would answer the question based on uh, the question and the motive for the question. John asks him, Master or Lord, who is it? Now, mind you, they don't understand. They, they, they didn't have the benefit of retrospect. When Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me, they didn't know how or when. But suffice it to say, betraying Jesus at any time about anything was not a good thing. Jesus, he said, it's the one that I give this piece of bread to. And I would venture, based on the way that this is laid out, that not everybody at the table knew what was going on. And I say that because when Jesus said to Judas, that thou doest do quickly, they didn't understand what he was talking about. They, they figured, uh, you know, one of them errands, look, run out to the store real quick. No, this was, I know you struck a deal with the Pharisees. And I know you're going to collect your 30 pieces of silver so you can betray me. What you about to do? Go ahead and do it. But that's what friends are for. Friends will love you. They will let you lean on them. And you can question them when you need help. We never had a friend like Jesus. One who can help me better than I understand my need to be helped. You know, sometimes what you think you need is not what you really need. And what you think you want is not what you really want, is what you think you want until you get it. And then you get it and it turns you every which way but loose. And some of us, we got firsthand experience with that. You think you want a new car. So that mail start rolling in from the finance company every month. Then you start thinking, you know what the car I had wasn't that bad. All it needed was a little work. You know, a brake job and a wheel alignment, and I'd have been good for another 30, 40,000 miles. A friend 
knows when to say no and when to say yes. A friend knows when to give and, to, and when to withhold. A friend knows when to help and when you need to do what you can to help yourself. And if ever we've had a friend, Christ Jesus is the one. Because more than anything else, God wants our souls to be saved from our own sins. And everything God does is with a view to saving our souls. And you know, some people even wanna question God about salvation. You know, if, if God could just be blunt, look, you the sinner, you the one in need of salvation, how are you gonna question me about the terms? You know, try it without me and see where you end up. But God offers salvation freely. He requires that we hear the good news that Jesus died for our sins. Romans 10 verse 17, the Bible declares, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He requires that we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. John 8, verse 24, Jesus says, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. He requires that we repent of sin. You need to turn from the very thing that's got you in the trouble you're in. Acts 17, 30 and 31, the Bible says, at the times of this ignorance, God winked, but now he commands that all men everywhere repent. It's something we all need to do individually. We need to confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, Matthew 10, 32, and then be baptized in water uh, for the remission of sins. First uh, Peter 3, verse 21, Peter declares, the like figure whereunto baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God. And when we go down into the waters of baptism, God washes away our sins by the blood of Christ Jesus and dwells us with his spirit and he adds us uh, uh, to the church. Now, you all know how it is with the technology. Sometimes you get it going and you can't get it off for trying. And when we come up out of the waters of baptism, the expectation is that we will live obediently in God's service. Uh, Ephesians 4 verse 1, we are commanded to walk worthy of the vocation with which we have been called. If you're listening via the social media outlets and this is your desire, we bid you reach out to our elders at elders at laurelchurch.net. If you're here in the audience this morning, then we bid you come forward as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation. Just as